0: Father, that's our prayer this morning. We've been learning about your son over these many weeks, and we pray, Father, again, you would show us who he is. Lord, reveal to us this morning who your son is, and may we glorify his name. So, Father, speak through me this morning as we look at your word, and may you bless us as we go out from this place. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good, morning. good morning. It's good to see you all. It's good to see so many of you here this morning and it, it's good to be back with you. How many of you got to go and, and be a part of one of our classes this morning? Woohoo All right that's good. I was in the parenting class this morning the midlers. we were all lamenting the fact that we're actually middle age and uh, we said we got to change the name of this to something more exciting. so we'll we'll come up with a new name but it was really good to be. Together with people and, and I want you to see that God wants us to gather as the body of Christ week to week there 's nothing more important to your Christian walk than getting to church and being with other believers so that you can be encouraged in the faith week to week and so let 's commit to one another that we would do this so that we will grow in christ that 's our that 's our whole aim going into the fall that we would be about discipleship and as we grow in Christ as we are transformed that the, we would then Go out and speak the gospel to a world that needs it. This valley needs the gospel. It needs you to stand up for Jesus and to tell them where they can find hope and love of our Savior. And so let's be those people and let's encourage each other today to do that well as we go out from here. All right. Today we're going to be wrapping up our I Am series in John and possibly with one of the most important I Am statements of the whole series. We're going to look at John 8:48 through 59 as the passage and particularly at John 8:58 where Jesus will say, "Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am." Here Jesus reveals himself to be God in no uncertain terms, very clearly and plainly. And our response to that should be to make him Lord. If He's God, then He's my Lord, and I should follow Him. Now, before we get into this passage, I'm going to read it for us in just a second. I want us to think just a second about the context of this final I Am statement. You see, the book of John presents us throughout. John's whole aim is to present evidence of who Jesus is. Here's what he's done. Here's the miracles he's done. And he tells us at the end of the book in John 20, 31, he does this so that you would believe. I've written it all down so that you would believe. And so John throughout gives us many examples of what it looks like to believe in Jesus and to reject him. And we're going to see some of those rejections here this morning. And in John 7 through 8, chapters 7 and 8, he's speaking to the people in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is a big celebration that goes on year to year, a week-long celebration where the Israelites would celebrate the fact that God brought them up out of Egypt and they set up booths, or now modern-day Israel, they'll set up tents and they have dinner parties outside to remember what God did. And so Jesus is talking in the midst of this, and really, in these two chapters, they're working at the question, who is Jesus? Jesus, who are you? And secondarily, the religious leaders are pressing Jesus, where does your authority come from? How can you say and make these claims that you're making, Jesus, what gives you the right to say these things? And the Pharisees will ask questions of Jesus like, where did you come from? Where are you going? Abraham's our father. Who's your father? And Jesus answers all their questions. I'm from above. I'm not of this world. I, I'm God is my father. And then we see in John 8:25, the Jews ask this all-important question. They say to Jesus, "Who are you? Right? Who are you?" And as we look at this final "I am" statement in John 8:58. That's the question we want to wrestle with. Who is Jesus? This is, this is the most important question you could ask in your whole life. This is the most important question in the world. Because the answer to this question will determine how you will live and where you will spend eternity. And so, then, this I am saying of Jesus, he will clearly and unashamedly say, I'm God come and follow me. And if Jesus is God, then everything changes. Everything changes. And so we're going to step into the very end of this conversation between the Jews and Jesus, and hear the final climax, dramatic conclusion to what Jesus has been telling all of the people. So let's read John 8, 48 through 59. Here's what the Word of God says says, the Jews said to him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> and Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. <clears throat> and the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Look, Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be, Jesus? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him, and if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple. So John presents us facts about Jesus, and he shows us the heart of belief and unbelief. So we're going to take just a moment and we're going to look at some of the patterns of disbelief, patterns of unbelief that we see revealed here in the Jewish leaders and the people that have been debating Jesus now for two chapters. This is the first thing we can say about unbelief. When we're confronted with the truth of the gospel, as people that don't know God, our hearts naturally want to deny it. Okay, that's what we have going on here. John said this earlier in his gospel, John three nineteen. Light has come into the world. Jesus is the light, and people love the darkness rather than the light. That's our heart. This is our broken hearts that we start with when we don't know Jesus. We're, we're in the muck and mire of the world. We get a God who wants to present us a way out, and we say, no, thank you. I'd rather do it my way. In fact, The Bible will go on to tell us that the only way our hearts can change from this position is that God does a supernatural work in our hearts, change our hearts from stone to flesh so that we can even believe that faith is a gift. And the Jews here, they've seen Jesus' ministry. They've seen his miracles. They've listened to his teaching. They've seen him be attested by great things. And what do they do? They call him demon-possessed. You're crazy. you got a demon. You're a Samaritan. That's, that's, by the way, that's like Harry Potter. That's a Bible word like Harry Potter mudblood. They're calling Jesus a the mudblood. They say he's out to glorify himself and make a big deal in town. They imply that he's a liar and that he is no prophet. You're lesser than Abraham. And ultimately, they want to kill him. And what does Jesus do? Walks right through that crowd, Right? The God of the universe comes to us, like us in the flesh, and we reject him. (laughs) That's the natural bend of our heart. What is wrong with us? Romans 1.18 tells us that before we know God, our hearts will actively deny and suppress the truth about God that is all around us in creation and that comes to us through his people. We don't want the truth because our hearts are imprisoned by our in nature. And we feel this, right? You feel this. And before you're a Christian, you can remember back and think about how your heart, you would hear about church and God, and sometimes you'd be like, I don't want any part of that. And maybe you're here this morning, and you don't even want to be here. Right? That's our heart flaring up, saying, I don't want you, God. God says, ask me to open your heart. Take a moment and say, God, will you Will you give me wisdom? Will you help me understand who you are? God hears that prayer and he will answer. You know, even as believers, we know, we now know, we've confessed Jesus as Lord. We know he's the answer to our problems. And yet when we get stuck in the gutter, we don't want God's solutions. I feel this. We become hopeless and faithless. Just this week, we're Going, you know, working on our parenting and trying to parent our kids well and experiencing some hard things. And many times my heart it just becomes hopeless. I know that the gospel is the answer, and yet I become hopeless. I don't want that answer. I'd rather just sulk. <laughs> this is our hearts. This is Mark 9:24. When Jesus is healing, someone the man says, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right, change my heart. Show me who you are. And I think it's good for us to answer, why would the Jews reject Jesus and the truth? Why even in our own hearts do we just want to reject the truth and go our own way? And I think it's this. We deny the truth of the gospel because we want to be the ruler of our lives. That's it. In essence, we want to be the God of our own life. We want to be in control. And and if Jesus is God, that means there's somebody else that's actually in control that we have to bend a knee to. And since the fall in the garden, we've been trapped under this lie from Satan that that we could know better than God. We could provide for ourselves more blessing. We know better than God what would be good for us. That's the original lie. Genesis three five, where. Right before Eve sins, Satan tells Adam and Eve, "When you eat of this fruit, guess what? It will make you wise, and you will be like God." And we said, "Sign me up." Adam and Eve wanted to find out what it was like to be like God, to control their own lives, to control their environment. We want to be self-determining. We want to make our own path. We want to provide for ourselves things that are good apart from God's good plan for us. And then we can become prideful when we have some success. See? Look what I did. And I think we see this in our culture. You want to know what's wrong with our culture today? This is the very thing we want to be God. It's what's ripping us apart as a country and a world. Everything in our world is subject to personal opinion and beliefs from politics to sexuality. We don't want to be told what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. What I believe is more important than anything else or what you believe. In fact, one author puts it this way. I I like how he says this. You know, we are opposed to the gospel not based on rational objections or intellectual arguments, but because we are in moral rebellion against God. We willfully assert our human autonomy and our independence that prefers life without God over life with Him and under God. That's our hearts. But if Jesus is God, then that changes everything. If Jesus is God, there's a bigger authority in the world than myself that I have to deal with. If Jesus is God, then he has a claim on my life and what I should be doing. And if Jesus is God, we have a solution to our heart problem. We have a way out of this sin that we've been stuck in. If Jesus is our creator God, then he knows something about how I'm made and how to get me to a new place if Jesus is God, then we have hope in this life that there is real power for life changing, for our lives to be changed and to live in a new way. In the case of the Jewish leaders, they ran the show in Jerusalem and they would have to yield their morals, their religion, their cultural thoughts, their politics to Jesus if he is God. And so, of course, they don't want to do it. Take them out of the driver's seat. Many of us, before we were believers, resisted God too, knowing that it would cost us to bend a knee to Him. And really the things we we fear giving up, these become substitute gods for us. Our jobs, our finances, our sexuality, our pleasure, our recreation, all of these things can become gods that we end up serving. The Bible calls them idols that we would give our lives to these things and yet they make really poor (laughs) gods they lead us into all sorts of trouble you know i had one of my idols destroyed this week it was pretty funny i went to go get a haircut because my hair was pretty shaggy and i don't consider myself to be a vain person and i described the haircut i wanted you know what the guy did he took the clippers and he went right down the middle of my hair i was like what are you doing that's not what I wanted." I say, well, God, I guess you're teaching me my appearance on Sunday morning. doesn't matter that much, <laughs> right? Idol destroyed. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, what are the things that are holding you back from following him? What are the things that you're fearing that you'll have to give up? Because in reality, if he's Lord, then you have no control over those things anyway. And he has to come and find him. Now, the rejection of Jesus leads us to further consequences in the passage, and that is this. I want you to see what Jesus shows us here. To reject Jesus is to reject God, the Father. Okay? It's popular today for many of us to say that we're spiritual. I talk to a lot of people in this valley. They believe in God. They say, oh, yeah, I like God. I believe in God, but, you know, I got my own way of kind of interacting with God, and we're good with that. Well, that's not what Jesus tells us. Polls tell us that people in our country, most people pray to God, especially in tough times. Many people like to think about God, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus and his bride. I want you to see that in this passage that Jesus shows us it's impossible to reject Jesus and claim to know God. John 6, 49, Jesus refutes the charges against him. He says, look, I don't have a demon, guys, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Verse 50, he says, look, I'm not the guy out for my own glory, but there is someone out for my glory. And one day he's going to be the judge of the world. And so, really he's saying, look, if you dishonor me, you're setting yourself at odds with the God of the universe who's trying to glorify me. John 6, 54, Jesus makes it plain. He says, look, this guy that's trying to glorify me, he's my father who you claim to know. And then in verse 56, he says, but you don't know him. You do not know God because if you knew God, you would glorify me in what he's doing through me. You would rejoice in what God is doing through me. And oh, by the way, Abraham, your father, he rejoiced when he saw my day coming. You can't have him without having me. And this is why the question of who Jesus is is so important. The most important question you will ever answer in your life is who is Jesus? Because if you reject Jesus, then you don't get God either. 1 John 2, through 23 says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. When you believe Jesus, you get the Father. As Jesus has already said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's talk about Jesus as the way to life. You know, in the midst of all this negativity seemingly. Jesus reiterates in this passage again, we have seen that following Jesus leads to life. John eight fifty one, fifty two. 52, he talks about, if you will keep his word, you will surely never see death. This is part of what's making the Jews mad. They think Jesus is talking like a madman. How can you escape death? All humans die, but they're missing the forest for the trees. And so often we look at what we can see and touch and hear and we miss the spiritual realities going on around us. How many times is God trying to teach you something, but you say, yeah, but this is going on and that's going on, but God says, but I'm God. Jesus says, I'm God. I can make a difference in these things. So let's not let the noise of the things around us drown out the voice of Christ. And even as the Jews are reviling him and denying him, he graciously continues to point them to the way to life. This is the way to life. Follow me, you'll have eternal life. And so let's now look at who is Jesus he claims to be God here. John 8:58 he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am." This is a claim to his divinity. Truly, truly there This means, heads up, I'm speaking truth. This is a true statement. In fact, that word for truly is amen in the Greek. Amen, amen, listen to what I'm going to say. This is truth. I am. I am God. There's nothing more true about what Jesus says. In fact, what he says here has deep roots in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at Exodus 3, 1, and 4 here for a second. You know, some 1,500 years previous, when God called Moses to lead the enslaved Israelites out of Egypt to the promised Land, he appeared to Moses in a burning bush. and if you if you don't know this story I'd encourage you to go watch the Ten Commandments, the old Charlton Heston movie. It's a great movie. Let my people go right go go watch that you'll learn about the Exodus and God calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, but Moses is afraid that the Israelites will not accept them as their deliverer. So this is what he says. It says, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, what is his name, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, that I am has sent you to them. God reveals his name, I am, to Moses. This name means I am the self-existent one. I am before all things. The theological term, it speaks of God's aseity, that he needs no one or anything to survive. He is of his own. He is holy and set apart. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he's saying, before Abraham was, I existed. I am that God come to you. And in Exodus 4.31, we know that Moses goes and says this to the people, and they say, okay, we're going to follow you. Fast forward 1,500 years, and Israel is in need of a deliverer again. They're waiting for that promised deliverer to be like Moses, but better than Moses, as Deuteronomy 18.15 talks about. And Jesus comes, and he says, I am. I am the deliverer, the de- the, the promised deliverer Moses just like Moses came and he was sent by I am now I am himself has come to deliver his people someone much greater than a man yet it is God in human flesh who is Jesus I am I am the living creator God of old come to deliver you from your sins even we see in the rest of the Old Testament that this name gets accredited to the coming Messiah, Isaiah forty-three ten and 11. It says this, And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. And when Jesus comes, he says, I am that Savior God. And if Jesus is God, that changes everything. I want you to think about this. Why does it matter that Jesus is God? Okay, we're going to list a few things here. If Jesus is God, then we know there is a God. Okay, think about this. Don't have to ponder if there's a God. He came down. He revealed himself to us. Does God exist? Yes, he is. Look at Jesus. He's right there. You know, this week they've been talking a lot about the James Webb Telescope. I don't know if you've been reading all this stuff and the pictures it's taking. And they said, there is panic, get this panic, in the scientific community about the things they're discovering because it's upending some of the things they believe about the universe. They're saying, could there not just be one solid piece of truth that we could build all of our science on? And the Christians go, yes jesus is god if jesus is god then the god of the universe is a knowable god this is really important for us in our culture god is knowable if jesus is god he's not an unknowable force like we see in eastern religions he's not a collective universe he doesn't work through impersonal forces like karma he's a personality that came in the flesh and he wants to give you a hug I often think about what, what would that have been like to give Jesus a hug, right? To be, have, be enwrapped by the arms of the creator of the universe who knows you better than any person has ever known you. We can know God if Jesus is God. And if he's knowable, what are we going to do to spend time with him this week to know him? He wants to be known by you. If Jesus is God, then we know what God is like. Colossians 1, 15 and 19 says, He is the image of the invisible God, and in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Look at the way He carried on His ministry, what He taught, how He loved people. That's who our God is. He's right there in the face of Jesus. If Jesus is God, then He knows what it's like to suffer as a human in our world. Listen, he understands the things you wrestle with. He understands the things that you cry over, the feelings of weakness and temptation that we all face. The Bible tells us he wasn't good looking. Thank you, Jesus, you understand a bad haircut. He's sickly, his father may have died when he was young, He was called names and hated. One of his best friends betrayed him. He faced temptation at every turn. He was accused of being a drunkard, a womanizer, and other things. He knows our pain. He's walked in your shoes. There's nothing you face that he didn't face in his life. Hebrews 4.15 says, look, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet he is without sin. And Hebrews 5.8 said he learned obedience through what he suffered, just like we do. He's been there. He knows what it's like. And if Jesus is God, then we have a living God who raised from the dead and has promised to walk with you in all things of life. You know, my wife said this to me this week. She's a better preacher than I am. Um, She said, you know, if Jesus is the I am, then when he lives in us, we are the we are. (laughs) That God has saved us, he has dwelt in us, he has made us eternal, and we will walk with him forever, and he gives us the power to do it. And if Jesus is God, then his life says that God loves me and cares enough to leave the throne room of heaven to walk in our dirt. And save us from his sin. God wouldn't leave us in our sin. He left heaven, and he won't leave us here. First John four ten says, "In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins." And finally, I think we can say this: if Jesus is God, then we have a great person and object of worship. Right? We've said all of life is about worship. Romans 1 and 2, if Jesus is God, then I'm going to turn my whole life over to Him as an act of worship and be transformed as I stare into the face of Christ. I think back to a time when I was a kid and this began to make sense to me when I realized Jesus is Lord and if He's Lord, then I want to follow Him. I want every part of my life to be given to this one truth if he's God then I want to follow him and my life has been such a blessing because of what God has done in it as I followed him as Lord and so we have a decision to make how are we going to respond to Jesus claim to be God this is the question we started with who is Jesus who is Jesus Jesus says I am are you going to believe him i like to write him off as loony or just another religious leader, maybe a good teacher. I don't care about any of those Jesuses. I want the Jesus that's God because he changes everything in life. And I think even in this passage, we get a picture of what it looks like to respond to Jesus as the great I am. Band, you can come on up. You know, baked into this passage, we have this example of Abraham that's alluded to. John eight thirty nine says, Jesus says, if you are Abraham's kids, you do the work of Abraham. Well, what's the work of Abraham? John eight fifty six. Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. And we could talk about, well, how does that work? Did he actually see Jesus? No, I think it's more like this. Abraham believed the promises that God gave him in Genesis 12, 15, 17. And 22, that a great nation would come from him, and particularly there'd be an offspring that would save the world and bless the nations. And he said, God, I believe you, and I'm happy about it, and I going to make my life conform to who you have revealed yourself to be. And in light of Jesus revealing himself to be the great I am, God has asked us to believe in him and rejoice in the salvation that he is bringing into this world. I love this passage, John 6, 28, 29. People ask Jesus, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And he said, look, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That's me. We see throughout the book of John, how do we become a Christian? We believe in Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus, in his Life and His death and His resurrection that He died for us. He made us clean before the Father. He gave us an entryway into the throne room of God the Father so that we could have a relationship with Him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. John 5.24 Whoever hears my words and believes Him who sent me has eternal life he does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. John 6.40, everyone who looks on the sun and believes has eternal life. John 6.47, whoever believes has eternal life. John 11.25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's so what Jesus says. Yes, thank you then make him Lord of your life. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe you need to do this for the first time this morning. I know there's some people in here that don't believe in Jesus. But maybe God's speaking to you this morning and saying, you know what? If Jesus is God, then I'm giving him my life. Let's do that by, as we pray this morning. Ask him into your heart. Say, God, forgive me. I want to follow you. But some of us need to remind ourselves that Jesus is God. We look at our week and all the things we got going on and all the problems, and we get hopeless and faithless. But we know the God of the universe who will not let us be. He's going to seek you out. He's going to help you in your problems. Jesus is God. He is Lord. And he will walk with us in all of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me and eat and you'll never be hungry again. You want your soul satisfied? Go to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You want to know real truth? He says, come learn from me. He says, I'm the gate and the good shepherd. Want to come into the kingdom of God? I'm the way. I'm the resurrection and the life. Who's going to raise you up out of the grave? It's going to be me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Come and abide in me and grow and flourish. And by the way, I am. I'm God. Jesus is the great I am. He wants to be your Lord. He is enough. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for all your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that you answered all our questions. But Lord, give us the heart of faith to believe in who you are. And then, Father, transform our lives so that we can teach a hurting world what it means to follow a good, loving, and knowable God who wants to walk with us. Pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.